Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us on the Grace in the Gray podcast, where we use the black and white of scripture to speak truth into the gray areas of culture. Today, you might recognize a different voice. Um, We are giving Jordan the week off. Sorry, Jordan. We miss you. Um, But I'm going to let one of our regular hosts, Rick, introduce our special guest. Yeah, awesome. Super excited to have this guy on with us today. Um, he'll, uh, his name is Kevin Maloney. and uh, He's 10 times better than Jordan. Yeah. <laughs> I will neither confirm nor deny that, but I will say uh, about Kevin. Kevin is one of my one of the best friends that I have in the entire world, um, a guy who has been there for me um, in some really difficult times in my own life uh, and been there for my family in some difficult times. Uh, a guy who loves the Lord, uh, is passionate about God's Word, and and passionate and willing to wrestle with it, uh, I think, even when it's uncomfortable for him in his own personal life. Um, and so I've been the beneficiary of that and helped with that some, I hope, and pray. Um, we've spent a great deal of time together, and so excited to have him on today uh, as we unpack a topic that I hope is going to be real and relevant for, at least in our culture, most of our listeners. So Okay. And so, Kevin, you serve— at Cedar Creek Church, but then you're also pretty involved in the community. People might recognize the last name Maloney. Probably from my wife. <laughs> yeah, she's more of the community. That was well um, done. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Lord, hey, Lauren, if you're listening. Can you believe I've done it? I'm here. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we've been here. Lauren and I have been at Cedar Creek um, for about seven years. And I would say for me, it's probably where my real walk with the Lord came, started here. Um, and... Um, Community-wise, yeah, Lauren's at Children's Place, so she does a ton of different stuff in the community, and and we try to as well with Overflow and with other other organizations. But um, the booze is why I'm here today. So I (laughs) I was chosen, yeah. Spoiler alert, we didn't even introduce the topic. Yeah, they picked the booze hound, and here I am. So today we're talking about alcohol, and I guess kind of to jumpstart the conversation, I wanted to know— is it okay for Christians to drink alcohol? Rick, do you want to start? Yeah, yeah, I'll jump in on that. And this is one of those, dependent on how staunchly conservative, or here in the South, how staunchly conservatively even Baptist we could put on that you were raised has been a question of contention. I I personally believe, and, and somebody will get on here and argue, and, and I, I wouldn't like, first I would say this isn't an issue that's going to somehow qualify or disqualify you from the faith or being worthy of salvation or anything like that. Your opinion on answering that question, I don't think has the ability to do that. Um, I think you're going to be very hard pressed faithfully to look at the scripture and say that alcohol is sin. Um, Now, I think it's scripture is very clear. We find it in Timothy. We find it in different places that that the Bible is going to teach us that to be drunk is sin, to, to partake in more than we should. But that's true not just of alcohol; that's true of anything. Um, you know, to to abuse anything, I think, enters into that into that category of being sinful. Um, so I would say yes, um, as long as you're doing it responsibly, um, and as long as it. I always tell people to lean into conviction, your conviction of the Holy Spirit, um, and as long as you think you're being faithful to what God's calling you to be. Um, you know, I also think the Bible is very clear that just because something's not clearly defined as sin doesn't make it right for you. Um, and I think there's, this is a this is a deeply personal question for people who are listening. But just from the to skip the rock over the surface of it, I don't think you're going to find anything in Scripture that says alcohol in and of itself is wrong. Now, how we use it may change the answer to that, but alcohol in and of itself is not. Um, but I think it can become that way, um, and 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 it's one of the reasons that I asked you, Kev, um, in all seriousness, to come on here, 
Would you be comfortable maybe sharing just a little bit of your story and kind of how you've wrestled with that and how that came to life sure. in your life when we talk about how we use alcohol or what alcohol becomes in our life or can become? Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned um, you mentioned in the South and Baptist, and I think it all starts there. Um, we've got, and me personally, grew up in Edgefield um, at a Baptist church. Um, my parents didn't drink. Um, my brother, older brother, never drank, or older sister, I like to call him at times. <laughs> We're not getting into that on the podcast. Right? Um, no, but it, it was never like a, something that I had thrown down my, from my family's sake, that drinking is sin and drinking is, equals hell. Or, But certainly I think from a community standpoint is you're at the golf course or at a wedding or wherever it may be and somebody's got a beer, it's automatically, I just kind of grew up thinking, Ooh, ooh, you know, um, and this person is certainly not a Christian, right? Because they've got this beer in their hand. Um, and again, it, 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 not at all did that come from my family, but it's still that was the that was the environment in Edgefield. Um, and so I think for me, I started when I when I as I was going through high school, and I'll push back against it. I was like, no, you're not going to tell me that that one beer. Even though I, it, none of this was scripturally based, why I was feeling the way I was feeling, right? It was just kind of the atmosphere in Edgefield, and not just Edgefield. I think it's in the South in general. Um, and so I just pushed back, and I drank as much as I could whenever I could and just made it known that Kevin's not afraid to have a beer in Edgefield in public, right? And as I've gotten older um, and certainly gotten closer to the Lord, I've kind of I think the um, the key for me is to take the alcohol question away because I I ran into my own issues where it just kind of the Lord kind of slapped me across the face and was just it's like you're drinking too much, right? You're not. It's not that you're that drinking's the problem, Kevin. But you've got two kids. You you're married. You've got. You, I own a business. Um, and I just kind of got in these habits where it was every night. Right. That I was. And so that's Rick is referencing. Um, and he was and I was vocal about it at the time. Um, Rick and I were together every day and um, which was a blessing looking back because I was able to just kind of rely on him. But I just it felt different. It, I didn't feel anything from others that I was being, you know, looked down. It was just internally the Lord was convicting me, like, just chill, dude, and make it about him, not about the booze. If that makes sense. And and I, I started and I think we all at times fight so much for whatever it is, in this case alcohol. I can drink alcohol. I can go have my beer, a liquor drink, a glass of wine. And then it, that's the thought process as opposed to um looking up, right? And then letting that dictate kind of where and so that's the battle I've been in, frankly, um, since since because I love a glass of wine. A solo cup of wine. That's my problem. Um, <laughs> I love a cold beer. I love a liquor drink, right? And those things inherently aren't the problem. What became the problem, and I think what we see throughout um, with a lot of a lot of guys, um, frankly, I, I, not that women don't, but I know a lot of buddies of mine. I know a lot of a lot of dads and and husbands that fall into the same trap, and. Um, and so the key for me has been to try to look more at Christ and less about trying to um, weigh my alcohol intake as to, well, I was a good boy today. Yeah. I only had three beers, right? <laughs> right? It's like, just get over that and let 
And so I had to, I just had to quit. I just had to quit. And um, if you'd have told me, you know, in college that you've got to, Kevin, you're going to stop drinking. And it's not because you did something crazy and stupid. It's because the Lord just kind of came down and just slapped you in the face and said, what are you doing? And I'm not quit forever. Um, But to prove to myself, I didn't need it. And I think it was more of like a habit that then became, I don't know what it was, but it certainly kind of took control. Um, And it was one of those things that happened so discreetly. And I think Satan was able to use it through all this lifetime of saying, I can have a beer. I can have a beer. I can have a beer. There's nothing wrong with a beer. There's nothing, you know, tell me, Jesus drank wine and, you know, all these <laughs> things. That kind of, And then it kind of is like God just kind of used it for the opposite. Do you need the beer? Right? Why not just chill with the beer for a second? Why not try to look up and say, you know, Kevin, you don't have to have this every day. And that was the problem. I was not drinking um, in moderation. I was not, I was not drinking in, and I don't know why I was doing it looking back. I mean, and for so long. um, I think that's one of the dangers of this thing, right? And you kind of alluded to this. I call it these things that have a tendency to become quiet sin, right? That somehow the culmination of a lot of quiet sin becomes a very loud thing that still is, we've somehow convinced ourselves is quiet, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's. We think it's in the background, but then you those moments that you look up or even look out, you know what I mean, and then realize, man, this is I can't think of the last time that I just spent time with my kids and this wasn't a part of it, or that I just played golf with a buddy of mine and this was a part of it, or that uh-huh. I just, you know, had dinner with my wife and this this wasn't a part of it. And I think it's you know, I, it's almost like one of my struggles with what not what Christianity has become, but what so many of us after Christians do is it's try to do like what you were kind of referencing is like reduce it to the lowest common denominator. Like, and we talked a little bit about this when we were talking about the dating and how far is too far and all that kind of stuff. It's like, how far can I go with this? Like, where, where does this become an issue? And then can I push that? Can I push that? Can I push that? And I've just found that so often when that's the question or that's the heart that we ask a question from every time we ask, can I push it? You've already pushed it, right? Like you're yeah. you're asking that that question retroactively, sure. like in response to where your life is, and it's. Yeah, I think that's one of the slippery slopes for me when it comes to alcohol. Like, I've seen people use it as like Jesus turned water into wine, or Jesus drank wine to justify a completely unhealthy lifestyle when it comes to alcohol, and just a, an unhealthy just every part of your life when it comes to alcohol, and it just infiltrates everything, and it has to become a part of everything. Instead of going, man, all of these things are gifts. All of these things can be used for God's good, um, for God's glory, my good, um, my joy. And I think there's just so many moments where if we're not careful, those things kind of begin to rob us of that. Absolutely. Yeah. I've felt those things, though. And and when I did say I'm going to quit, I'll never forget this because it was the first time since I started drinking, first beer I've had. It's the first time that I realized that maybe I needed to chill. And by maybe I definitely needed to chill. And then it was kind of faced with how do I chill? It was such a part of everything I did, like you've mentioned. And um, and it was it got to the point where it was so bad. And again, I'm not like my wife. She wouldn't have known. She would have smelt it on me probably. Right. But she it's not like I was I was drinking so much. I wasn't getting drunk. It wasn't that I was just some drunkard coming in at all. In fact, it was just in my mind, I'd kind of check the box, just who I am. 
Yeah. Right? I can drink I can drink more beers than anybody at Cedar Creek Church <laughs> and be fine. That's my that was my mindset, which is probably true for the record. <laughs> uh, and it's got to the point where it was like that. It was so tiring, and the release I got when I said enough's enough. It's not going to control me. And and I'll never forget, y'all. Lauren was out of town, and uh, I had the boys. I brought them to church. After church, we get home. It's a beautiful day outside. So we immediately go out, change clothes, and go outside. And I go to the outdoor fridge to grab a beer. Lauren's not even there, right? This isn't. And I, it was like there was a wall when I opened and I went to reach my hand in. And Lauren got home that night, and I just broke down. I mean, I, I really did. And, and, tears because it really it, it, it i think the lord kind of revealed Kevin, look how i get home from work every day and i get a beer that's what my boys are gonna see right that's what they and it just it got to be where it's too much because it was so much bigger than just me making these excuses i'm fine i'm fine it's so it affects i think so many different areas and so um i am struggling with it i mean i again i it's long day of work kids are tough Wife is wonderful, but at times you, you know, a drink is, that's how I coped. And so, um, you know, you said something that we have had come up on a previous episode. You said it's, it's who I am. And we talked about how the sin that we face every day or the sin that we struggle with is that's not our identity. Right. Our, our identity is in Christ. And so I think it's really cool that. You even you recognize that yourself, yeah. And it was from the Lord's leading, not from someone else trying to beat you over the head with it. And so mm-hmm. I kind of want to ask that question too. What is what is the Christian's response? And did you ever have a Christian um, come at you and say, Kevin, you need to work on this? And how did that make you feel? Yeah, um, I did um, multiple times, um, and it I, I was dismissive Mm -hmm. i was um you clearly don't know me because i'm fine um and and lauren was lauren was one of those um and it wasn't continuous it wasn't you know you better not have it it was concern Mm -hmm. from her looking back right and um and so that was part of the the breakdown i had was she and this was not a period of weeks right this was over two years probably that I could not tell you back to back days I went without a drink in two years. And so, um, yeah, I, I, I wasn't ready looking back and that's stupid. I feel, I feel like, um, shame and regret and all those things until I got that freedom that came with the hell with this, right? I'm going to, I don't know what this looks like moving forward. I don't know what I, I'm going to completely surrender and and the freedom that I received, and I've still received because I have not gone back to that at all. I've had beers, I've had a glass of wine, but I will never knock on wood, pray to the Lord. Um, and it's something I've got to be, I've got to be um, intentional. Yeah, it is. It doesn't. It's not natural now where it's gone. Um, you know, you get a random Monday night. Last night's a great example. I had you know, kid in. Um, one of them would strip and one of them going, and it was just, you can make excuses. And that was, that was what I realized is that I had, I had, if it was going to get, um, Lauren would get in the bath, I'd go pour a glass of wine because I knew she wouldn't be seeing it. Right. And looking back, that's so like manipulative and I'd made it okay. Right. right? And these things are just not okay. 
There, I mean, it's really not, but being able to not only say it to my wife and Rick, Rick had had his seizure. So he was riding to work with me every day. I was bringing him here and tell me that's not God's timing. <laughs> Rick wasn't on me about my drinking, but he was there whenever I was able to kind of bring it to him and say, dude, I, this is real and it's gotten real. Um, so I, I just encourage anybody that's going through it is to have, find somebody that you can get it off your chest and they'll let help me like walk, walk with you through these things because you can tell yourself the devil's so good at allowing us to tell ourselves lies and justify things that are, that's crap, that's lies, that's, and then for so long and those things snowball and they snowball. So I played in a golf tournament like the week after I was like, I'm done. I'm not having another soap. I don't know how long. That was the thing with Lauren. I just said, look, and Rick, I made sure people knew what I was trying to do, what I was going through. Um, not only so they could pray, but keep an eye on me. Right. Mm-hmm. And it was, and it was like, I, I told Lauren, I don't know how long I'm going to go without a drink, but I'm going to see. And, and there was a golf tournament at Palmetto and it was a two day. And I love a good golf tournament <laughs> with free booze all over the place. And I'm like, let's go. And I'm like, if I can make it through. This golf tournament, and I never had so much fun at a golf tournament with no booze. And it was such a good, like, I was like, I did it. Damn it. Excuse me. <laughs> but I did. Like, I was jacked up. Like, I don't need it. If I can do that two-day tournament with all my buddies and all this, and, be, and I can, I don't need it. And I had a ball. And it was so freeing. Right? And so I'm, I, I constantly have to fight that, though, because it, it, that's the norm is to go back to College football games on. I need. To, I got to have a drink. That's I culture, watch. right? Yeah. Right. I think there's something. And the Gamecocks, you got to have a drink. <laughs> right. I think there's something in here that's so that I don't want to skim over because I recognize that, especially if maybe you clicked on the title of this podcast because it just drew your attention and you were expecting some kind of religious reformation movement against yeah. alcohol that was going to be here's why you shouldn't drink and here's where the scripture says you shouldn't drink. Like one man, I would encourage you to just pause and think about the fact that this entire conversation and your entire story has been based out of this. Like, this was my identity, right? Like, this is who I was, and there wasn't like this. I white knuckled beat this into submission, like begrudgingly, angrily let go of this thing that I like. You were deeply convinced this is who I am. Yeah, it was. No, I I actually found who I was in letting go of this thing that wasn't who I am. And there was tremendous freedom to enjoy the good gifts of life by getting my identity in a correct perspective. Right. right? Like to see this doesn't have to be who I am. This is a this is a piece of of a former life or a thing that's still in my life that I'm still interacting with and trying to be faithful to what God's called me to be. But it's not who I am, right. and it can't. And if it ever becomes that again, that it robs me of joy. And so I just like I, if you're just tuning into this because you're like, oh, here we go, we got more Christian people that are going to tell me that I can't have a beer. Like one, I hope you've heard clearly. Like, no, we didn't. Um, we told you to be faithful to what God calls you to do, and and that can we can have a whole different conversation for a whole different episode about does God speak to people who are not believers? But we won't do that today because sure. we got time. But um, to just. To really wrestle the identity question to the ground, I think is so important because I think we rob ourselves of so much joy and the ability to participate or not participate in so many good gifts that God gives us because we create them to be identity forming. And I think this is another huge one in culture. And I think we just came out of one as we talked about, you know, as we talked about sex and how that fits in relationships, like these are things that have just become so culturally embraced that it's hard to draw that line that like, hey, 
no, this doesn't have to be who you are. And it's, you know, it can be golf doesn't have to be this. It can be just time with friends to be outside, to embrace like God's given you the gifts of community. God's given you the gifts of creation. God's given you the gift of time. God's given you the gift of the gift of financial resources to be able to do this. God's given you the gift of a spouse who's with your kids that allows you to be able to do those things. And when you remove this, this kind of sulking in, yeah, but if I don't have this thing that I believed it, man, the the it removes those blinders, right? Like, mm-hmm. and I think that was kind of the cool piece that as you and I were riding together and God was kind of faithfully doing that because I'm upset over this whole, I got to have a dude drive me to work because I have a seizure and I lose my driver's license. And you're wrestling this thing to the ground as it was both those like, and and neither one of those things were identity forming. In fact, like I've removed those from you. And as a result of that, as a result of what we perceived, at least initially as suffering or going to be difficult, we experienced joy, right? right? Like there was, and I'm like, man, that's, that's the good news of the gospel actually lived out on a real on the ground way. Like we thought this thing was going to be bad and God used it for our good, yeah. his glory, our joy. And now hopefully you're listening to this and he's going to use it for your good. Right. right? Like he's going to, he's going to give, you know, our hope and our prayer. And, and the reason that we have the conversations that we have on this podcast is because we want to take the the church blinders off. Right. Yeah. We want to take you know, there's things that are difficult to communicate about, at least effectively from a pulpit, like in a sermon format, in a 30-minute mm-hmm. message from a pastor, that are much better in a roundtable discussion. And I think that's what this is for, to point out to people like, hey, it's one, it's okay to struggle. That's like, the key, yeah, right? Like you've been here for six years, right? Like yeah. I've been here faithfully growing in my walk with Jesus, trying to love my yeah. life, connected with a home group, living in a small group. And it was, you know, it was... Six years into that, that God pressed this thing into you. And it's like, man, you know, perfection will be obtained with Jesus in heaven. But right now, it's just simply seek to be obedient, but not because God's trying to punish you, but because he wants you or to Or you've experience. got to be obedient to in, to get in yeah. the club. Mm. And I think that it, one, one thing Cedar Creek has done, um, and I was in a home, and I, I can't press home groups enough. Um, I was in one with Philip. Um, Rick's dad and, and, and Rick's mom before y'all were even moved here and, um, and having the ability to, I was myself. I, I came in, the last thing I want to do was come into a kumbaya deal <laughs> with the head pastor. Right. I mean, I was like, I'm not, this is, and, and little did I know that he'd end up being one of my good buddies, that he'd end up being my spiritual mentor, that he took me for who I was. And didn't try to change me a bit. I, I played golf with Philip Lee multiple times prior to this a, a, over the last six years. And I would have beers because I didn't give a daggum what Philip Lee said. And he didn't care. It wasn't like he was judging me because of, that is the church here, though. And it should be. Put it that way. And and, and leadership-wise, the, the open arm, come struggle with us. That's the mm-hmm. key. Right. There is no there is no box that has to be checked for you to get in here and struggle with us because there is never going to be um, a life lived in this church or any church for that matter. That's not going through something or struggling with something. And so that's the misconception. I think that alcohol stole from Christ for me was that. Yeah, but but you can't enjoy all of what he has to offer because you've got this alcohol issue. It's BS and it's lies and it's. Mm-hmm. And um and so struggling together has been the key to all of it, right? 
I think that's so good. Like what we perceive as a struggle ultimately leads to joy, right? And it leads to right. a deeper connection with people and a, and a more authentic community. That's good. Uh, I need a drink. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm just, I'm blown away by the conversation. Like yeah. if I could have been a fly on the wall with the conversations you had each morning on the way to work, I can't you would, imagine. You would pray for both of us more frequently than you do. Well, and, and remember, so during this time, Gunnar had just been born. So he's a newborn. I've got Bryce, who was uh, one or two, I guess, at the time, and Colt was three. So we had three baby boys in the back of my truck. Rick taking horse pills the size of this so he wouldn't have another seizure. Me scratching my neck wanting a beer so bad. I I mean, it was just chaos, right? And so, and here we come pulling into uh, daycare. You know, all the boys and the ladies at daycare are like, what in the heck is for six months we did this? Um, but you're right. It, it was like, it, looking back, there's no way God didn't have his hand over all of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's, that's so encouraging. So you don't know when it, it, it wasn't this one thing that happened that said, Kevin, you know, you got naked and ran around downtown Aiken. You can't do that. You need to change. Right. And that's, I, I guess I was always, did you actually do that? Not this time. No, <laughs> no. Um, no, it's like you just you, you just be open to change, and that's mm-hmm. the other thing is that the freedom you get with it, whatever the sin is, whatever the sin the chain is, um, the freedom you get with at least saying I'm going to fight this, I'm going to wrestle with this, not solo with someone with mm-hmm. some, and it it is, I mean it's everything, yep. right? It really is. So. I love what you said, the come struggle with us. Um, And us might not be us. It might be your friends, your family, your small group, your church, a mentor who can walk alongside you when you're struggling. So I really did love that. And our podcast, Grace in the Gray podcast, it's about the grace of your friends, about God's grace and the freedom that you find in it, knowing Mm -hmm. that your identity is not in the sin that you're struggling with. It's in Christ. So I really enjoyed today's conversation. I might have teared up a little bit. Um, But I think I grew just from listening to this, and I hope that everyone listening did as well. So we will be back in two weeks with another awesome topic. And um, if you have not followed us on Instagram, search Grace in the Gray podcast and give us a follow. Also subscribe to the podcast. When you subscribe, it makes it easier for people to find conversations just like this. Hope you have a great week. 